It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I am one of the certified financial planners on the show. I'm also your host. Thanks for being with us. Across from me in the KFG Studios, certified financial planner, Josh Gregory. Yeah, good to be with you, Mike. Hey, you never really think it's going to happen to you, but all of us run the risk of having some sort of health concern pop up in our life. And, uh, you know, you hope it's not you, your family, your loved ones or anything. But the question that it it begs is, are you financially ready for it when it happens? And uh, we're helping you take your next wise step in getting prepared for future health concerns this hour on Wise Money. That's right. If you have a question, this is your show. Each and every week it's your show. We want to hear from you. You can reach out to us in a few different ways. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. With any need you have, with any question you have, any critique, whatever, we'd love to hear from you. You can participate that way. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question right there on the right, as well as catch up on previous episodes. And finally, social media and all of that, you can find us Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search Wise Money Radio. Every episode's there on YouTube. You can engage in the content that way as well podcast, iTunes, Google Play, all that sort of stuff. Hey, one other kind of public service announcement. You guys know, looking at the calendar and outside your window, it is, it's just about that time, April 17, right around the corner. That's tax filing deadline. We've been talking about it for a while. All the wise money minutes for the past couple months have been all geared towards you trying to have the best tax season ever. We're going to be devoting the second half of today's program to more tax questions, but if you need anything, have any questions on taxes, reach out to us. We'd love to help. But first, we are leading off the program today with a a tough topic, and it's really a topic about life first and and finances second or somewhere in the background, and and it's a difficult topic to, to discuss. After about nine months of wondering what was going on and seeing different signs and, and truthfully just kind of just observing what was happening, getting different tests done, and a lot of praying, uh, I remember when we finally got some some really tough news, uh, a relative of mine uh, was in the doctor's office with his spouse after these nine months or so, and the doctor was just kind of talking around the issue, just kind of stammering around, and the spouse finally just said, what's going on? And the doctor hesitated. He didn't really want to say it and just finally said, well, he's got Alzheimer's. And we suspected that was the case over the previous 12 months, really. Um, But it, it it was just a shock because this family member of mine was 56 years old. Wow. So it's just devastating, and we're going to be talking about that today. That's a real-life situation, keep, keeping things confidential. But, you know, we all think we're invincible to this. Our brains tell us it's not, it's not going to happen to me. In fact, this person, this family member, he and I had a conversation about a decade ago, and he said, if this ever happens to me, dot, 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 take these crazy extreme measures. Well, yeah. of course not, you know, in real life. 
But you say those things because you don't think it'll ever happen to you. But the question mm-hmm. is, if it does, we mm-hmm. don't have any control over it. If it does, are you financially ready? Well, and I'm assuming, though, that that's not even the first question that pops into people's heads. Certainly not with your family member when you're sitting in the doctor's office. You're thinking about the health ramifications, yeah. right? You're wondering, you know, h- how is this disease going to progress? What kind of symptoms are you going to start seeing? Um, what kind of limitations to lifestyle and things are, are going to be hit? And that's exactly, I, I've sat in client appointments where they've revealed, hey, we got this awful uh, diagnosis, Alzheimer's was thrown around by the doctor, we're doing tests, yeah. and then the tears just, just start flowing. And it's never about the money, right? right. right. It's, the, it, it, it's the fear of losing your loved one slowly over time or just things changing. Uh, yeah, the adjustment that you need to make. That's Absolutely. Right. That's right. Y- you start by talking about you know medications and treatments. What can we do to try to, to help the situation? But eventually... Uh, especially, you know, in, in your loved one's uh, case, because he's 56, you said? He was, was at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, eventually the question of, well, what does this mean for their working career and their, their job and everything? And that's what often launches you into questions about finances. That's right. right? That's right. Some of it around care. But, but yeah, you're right. It, it's whether you receive some diagnosis like we did about Alzheimer's or something much more sudden cancer or, or, or something awful like that, uh, yeah, it's usually when you look at, well, uh, they might not be able to work anymore, or you might not be able to work the way you did and earn what you did. Yeah. And if you can't earn what you were uh, earning, then can you live the way that you've been living? Yeah. Um, you know, is this going to drain the, the family's savings? Um, what kind of medical bills are going to come from this? Are, are you adequately covered there? Yeah. I mean, the, the questions start swirling and you can get real scared real fast when you start thinking about the financial ramifications. So so we want to compartmentalize this a little bit. And um, I, I would argue you might not ever be fully prepared. Yeah. It's, it's possible. You might not ever be fully prepared. But what steps can you take now to be as prepared as possible if something like this happens to you or your spouse or your family member? And there's kind of three areas of your financial life that you really need to tune into. And, and the first place, just logically, it just goes to insurance. And there's, a, there's several different components there of insurance, but let's break those down. Yeah, you know, it, it's a tough one to go to initially because most people think of insurance as something that they hate to spend money on. Absolutely. I do. Right. I hate spending money on insurance. Think about everything else that you purchase or spend money on. You do it because you want to use it. Yeah. Right? Or you're getting some sort of enjoyment out of it. Yeah. Exactly. But insurance, by definition, you're spending money on something that you hope and pray that you don't have to use. Mm-hmm. And you almost, some people act a little irritated when they don't get to use it. You know, strange. They're strange right. people. You're not hoping that your house burns down so you can cash in on that policy you've been paying on for the past two decades. <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. Um, and you're not hoping for a car accident just so you can make the insurance company pay out. So, so by definition, we're talking about something that you don't really want to be spending money on. But um, in this area of insurance, if you're going to be ready for the bad health diagnosis. Um, you know, obviously health insurance is a big one that you have to have in place because, um, you know, all these doctor's tests, all these medications, all these treatments that could come with the bad diagnosis cost something, Yeah. right? And 
uh, I, I believe um, that the statistics are still true that the number one cause of bankruptcy is a medical-related crisis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, it comes from two reasons. You have a catastrophic expense all of a sudden, and y- if you don't have insurance, you don't have the ability to handle all these medical bills that can mount up quickly. But there's also potentially a catastrophic hit to your income. Right. If that person who uh, received the diagnosis passes away or can't work anymore, and they were a main breadwinner for the, the household, obviously that leaves all their survivors or the rest of the family in a really vulnerable place. So you've shifted from, hey, if you get this sort of diagnosis, you want to make sure you've got great health insurance and so on, and that's almost required by the government now. So I, I hope, I hope that you've got good health insurance in place. But really the next one that you're going to is disability insurance. Yep. Yep. And, and I'm afraid to mention that um, this family member of mine it, it was not adequately covered. Mm-hmm. This touches on the issue, a question that you have all the time. I know you do. Should you have short-term disability or long-term disability? I, I just I, You give the nod to long-term disability because if you have a major health event, likelihood is you're not going to get better in six weeks or six months. And the financial devastation really comes if you're out of work permanently or That's for right. a long period of time. Yep. And so disability insurance, long-term disability insurance is, um, is a critically important one. What about life insurance? Yeah, I mean, that would be the other one. I, I mentioned what if the person passed away or couldn't work. Mm-hmm. Passing away, too many people, unfortunately, leave their loved ones without enough resources to help replace their income. And it forces a dramatic lifestyle change. Maybe they can't stay in the house. Maybe uh, mom or dad, whoever's uh, the surviving spouse, needs to get a second job. Maybe the school system needs to change, whatever. But um, the the point is, whatever you think you need to leave behind in resources, have more. Have more life insurance. I, I would completely agree with you, but I'd also say... Once you find out you've got a bad health diagnosis is not the time to rush out and say, well, I guess I need that life insurance policy now. No, you need that in place before you get the bad health because guess what? You get a bad health diagnosis, the insurance company won't give you you life insurance. What about long-term care insurance, even home and auto insurance? Does a health change impact those areas? We've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you get the awful news that you or a loved one has just um, had a sudden change in your health or had a bad diagnosis, of course, uh, mentally and emotionally, there's you, you, there's no way to be prepared. Financially, is there a way to be more prepared than not? And, and we would argue, yes, there is. And we are talking about those different areas of your financial life where you've got to attend to to make sure you've got things in place and ready just in case something awful happens. We're talking through that today and a lot more. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Joshua Gregory. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for making the Wise Money Show possible. As always, if you have questions, we want to hear from you. We've got some great tax questions we're, you're going to be, uh, we're going to be hitting later in the program. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. Find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. Uh, okay, so 
if you receive this diagnosis, your mind is scrambling as to how your life is going to change. And then sometime in the future, you start realizing this is going to have a financial impact as well. How do you get prepared for that before receiving that bad news? And the first area you need to look at is protection planning and the different types of insurance that would be prudent to have in place. We talked about... And I'm glad that you made the point, though, that that's before you get the diagnosis. You have to have this stuff in place. Yeah. Your insurability often goes away because of the diagnosis that was received. And, you know, while the house is burning, that's not the time to be checking to see if you paid those uh, insurance premiums on the house. Yeah. Right? We, uh, I shared a story uh, a few weeks ago that I was working with a young professional, very good income, and... Um, and she made a decision to drop her disability policy, drop her disability insurance. And so I asked her why she made that decision. And she said, well, I haven't used it. Oh. So, and, and you might think that, well, of course, you know, you can only get that insurance when you don't need it. It's the point to have it just in case you do. Uh-huh. And that's critically important here. Let's talk about long-term care insurance. Going through this personally, disability insurance was a big deal, okay, and the fact that, sadly, uh, there was none. Um, Next was life insurance. We looked through and said, oh, my goodness, this diagnosis is eventually going to lead to lots of costs and expenses, and the hope is that there's life insurance that we have in place so that if the disease takes this loved one, there will be life insurance to uh, recoup the, the, some of those expenses. And thankfully, there was some already in place because once you receive a diagnosis, you can't run out and get the life insurance. But now what we're facing is how to pay for some of the medical care and attention that this person needs. Disability insurance replaces your income. Health insurance covers the normal, regular doctor bills. But if you need care, there's really no insurance that covers that except for long-term care. That's right. Uh, your health insurance is covering actual a medical professional's care for you to help you get better. But what if you have a diagnosis that's not going to get better? You're just hoping to maintain a, a maintenance type of care or a long-term care scenario is really more custodial in nature quite often. Right. We, we often talk about six key activities of daily living is what we call them. Just normal behaviors that you almost take for granted when you're healthy. But what if you can't bathe without help or get dressed or use the restroom? You can't get from a seated position up to a walking position without help. Those are the types of things. Someone doesn't need a nursing degree to help you with those things, right? right? They need availability. They need probably strength in, in some cases. And if the family can't provide that uh, just because of your own either lifestyle or working career, maybe you don't have family in the area. Exactly. People have moved away. Maybe they need to work to make money. That's right. Right? Yep. Plus, even if they can, boy, we we have a lot of folks who land in our office who have been the caregiver. Mm. And, um, you know, I was talking to a family member, hadn't, hadn't talked to them. They live in a different state. They've been a caregiver for their mom for a while. And you could just see the the fatigue in their eyes. And I asked, how's it going? And the response was, can you just pray for us? Mm-hmm. Because I think weary was the word. Mm-hmm. Not weary in the sense of they don't 
they don't have the love and affection to keep on going. It's just physically demanding and it has an impact. And so if you need to get help from an outside source, how do you pay for that? Because your health insurance doesn't do it. Mm -hmm. Even if uh, they're old enough to be on Medicare, that has limitations and it's only going to pay until they stop getting better. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of times people's mind will go to Medicaid, another government uh, function or, or resource. The problem there is it's meant for folks who don't have resources. So they force you to use up what you have right. before the state's safety net will kick in and help pay for, for this care. So the alternate, if you're planning ahead, is this long-term care insurance that we're talking about. Yeah, it's a very specific type of insurance that covers this very specific need. Now, there are life insurance policies that are kind of hybrid where you can have an add-on endorsement, if you will, to cover long-term care, but that's a newer thing. If you've had life insurance for a while, you likely don't have that endorsement, and it might not be appropriate for everyone if you're doing term insurance and so on. So the the point here is not just to scare you and, okay, you need this insurance. No, it's situational. You need to sit down with your certified financial planner, look at your entire financial situation, and then talk about this risk. Well, are you a good candidate for Medicaid, right? Or is... Um, is a hybrid policy more appropriate or do you, what's the right approach to manage this? And so talk to your certified financial planner. If you have questions, we'd love to help you as well. And talk to your family about it too. Oh, absolutely. Too many families know, boy, mom or dad, they're, they're getting older. They're, they don't have quite the strength and the stamina that they used to. Sometimes they've had some close calls with some falls when is the family going to step up and, and have this conversation about what if it gets to the point where they shouldn't be living alone anymore and so on? Be, be the one who drives that conversation. So a friend of mine was driving uh, into work on a Saturday morning and stopped at a stop sign, saw another car approaching, but it was a four-way stop, so proceeded to go through the intersection, and the car that was going through the other side didn't stop uh. and hit him. And um, he owns his own business, works for himself, and so was out of work for a considerable amount of time. Thankfully, thankfully, uh, he recovered and has had a full recovery back to work. Everything's good. But there was about 12 months there where he was in pain and a couple months where he wasn't able to work, and that drastically impacted his, his income. So before you get a health diagnosis, what if that health diagnosis is a cause of an accident, either yeah. at your house, at a friend's house, or in a vehicle? You need to have thought this through when you're setting your coverage limits for your home and auto insurance because the situation for him, because it was an auto accident, it was his or the person that caused it, their auto insurance that stepped in to cover his medical bills and disability bills um, because of uh, how the situation came about. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that in Indiana – you have coverage to protect you from a lawsuit because of an accident that you caused. Maybe you hit someone else and hurt them. You have liability protection to cover you there. But you also have uninsured and underinsured motorists. Right. This is what protects you if you're the one who's the victim of the accident. You don't want to leave it up to that other driver um, just hoping that they have enough coverage to make you whole again. Yeah. You need to have your own coverage in place. This is a component of your insurance. And if you haven't reviewed that recently, now may be the time to dust that off and make sure that you've you've selected the right coverage limits to protect yourself first and foremost. Yeah. And 
And so it this is what concerns me a little bit about how most people make their home and their auto insurance decisions is it's first about price. We already said, I want you to pay the least amount for your insurance as possible. But first and foremost, you need to get the right coverage for your situation. That's right. And and in home and auto insurance, because of these hilarious commercials and how much mm-hmm. money they spend to get in front of your eyeballs all the time, we're it's just beaten into our heads. It's about price, 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 price. Start by looking at coverage. And I completely agree with Josh. You've got to look at your own coverage first. How does this policy step in for me if I'm involved in an incident at someone's house, at my um, in my vehicle, someone caused an accident or I caused it? How does your policy step in to cover in case there's a major health change because of this incident? What about with your estate plan, your will, powers of attorney, something like that. I have a very interesting uh, situation on my hands where that stuff needed to be in place well before a life uh, health change happened. So we've got that and a lot more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you have a son or daughter who work part-time, maybe while they're in school or in college, how much money do they need to make before they need to file their own tax return? We've got, uh, it's a great question. We get that question all the time, multiple times during tax season. We've got that from Gary coming up here. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us today. My name is Mike Bernard. Across from me in the KFG studios is Josh Gregory. I want to say thank you to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for partnering with the Wise Money Show. Uh, do me a favor. If you are uh, following along online on YouTube, you've got the YouTube channel right there, Wise Money Radio. You can find us on YouTube. Just if you like what you're listening to, click that like button and you can subscribe to the program as well. Get notified every time we've got a new video. We have every episode of the Wise Money Show up on the YouTube channel, but we also have other content and other things going up there as well. So get notified that way. And then second thing, if you have a question, we want to talk about it on an upcoming program. You can reach out to us and send us a question a couple different ways. Call or text us 574-222-2000, whether that's a question, just a gripe, a concern, whatever. Reach out to us, 574-222-2000. Lastly, online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can reach us there as well. We're talking about how do you become as prepared as possible financially for receiving news of a sudden health change to you and your loved one. And we've talked through the big areas within insurance that you need to make sure you've thought through and gotten in place ahead of time. What about in the area of estate planning? Yeah, you hear the word estate planning, and most people's mind goes to their will, mm-hmm. the last will and testament. What happens to your stuff when you pass away? But really, some of your most important legal documents have nothing to do with you passing away. You got it. Right? It's it's actually stuff that needs to be in place for while you're living, and this exact scenario where what if what if you're in a position where you can't make financial decisions for yourself? You can't sign a document. Um, you're considered no longer competent to make those types of decisions for yourself, who can do it for you? Both health decisions and financial decisions, paying the bills, or maybe your name isn't on a certain account or the mortgage or something like that. That's right. You've got to have that authorization. Yeah. So the way that you give that authorization is with a series of documents that you put in place 
before you need them. Yep. First one is a financial power of attorney, sometimes called a durable power of attorney or a general power of attorney. This is basically where you get to pick a person or maybe even some people who can act on your behalf to carry out business dealings for you. They can write the checks. They can uh, talk to a bank teller on your behalf. Um, They can sign a contract or sell something for you, buy something for you, whatever it takes, all the things that you would normally have done yourself in your financial life, you're giving them the permission to do it for you if you're incapacitated. Mm -hmm. Okay. Second one, same exact scenario, only uh, it's dealing with doctors, nurses, any medical professionals. There's a separate document that allows you to do that. We always used to call it a healthcare power of attorney. Yeah. Uh, these days, it's known as an appointment of a healthcare representative. Yeah, I don't like that. I still call it a healthcare power of attorney. So do I. Okay. Um, but it, you might hear both terms thrown around by an attorney. Yeah. Um, the, the concept's the same. Who's going to be authorized to talk to those doctors or nurses and give instructions or permissions on your behalf? If you're in a coma or you know you, you can't talk, you can't communicate for some reason, um, you, you need to have someone that you trust who is authorized to do that for you. Mm-hmm. The alternative, if you don't have it, is to have to go to court and get permission uh, authorizing you to serve as a guardian for someone. It could be your spouse. If, you, if you're dealing with a health emergency, uh, that is the last thing you want to do. Right. And, and so let me let me throw, uh, again, my own personal real-life experience in here because you might have heard Josh say those things and you can say, oh, yeah, 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 I'll get that done after we have an incident. So real-life scenario, we're meeting with the attorney on Friday to get documents set up for my, my loved ones. And on Monday, I get the text from them saying he can't sign his name. Uh like a doctor had said he's not competent or what? Nope, nope. The spouse was having him work on things and realized oh, physically he could, could not, not sign. sign his name. Oh, wow. How do you put those documents, that, that authorization in place yeah. for someone who can't write? Whew. Yep. The point here is make sure you get this done ahead of time. And it's not fun to think about this stuff happening. But that's part of the role of a certified financial planner is to rain on your parade. No, I'm just kidding. Is to work with you on your entire financial situation and say, what if? What if? They're not going to push you into things that you don't feel comfortable with. They're just going to ask you some real life questions about, well, what if this would happen? Hey, I think we need this in place. The final thing that my brain goes to when you're trying to prepare in advance for having a major shift in your health is financially, what resources do you have to be deployed towards paying for this sudden change? Yeah. You know, all all the different types of insurance that we talked about have some sort of a deductible included. Yep. Um, You know, if you are disabled and can't work anymore, before the insurance company is going to start paying out an income to you, a certain amount of time has to lapse. Yep. Um, if you have long-term care insurance, they're not going to start paying the bills until a certain amount of time has, has lapsed. So an emergency fund is really kind of your very first line of defense. It's the resources that it, it gives you time to deploy some of those other resources like the insurance or tapping into longer-term uh, assets, that, that kind of thing. Maybe it buys time for a spouse to find a job and, and go back to work or get a second job. Um, 
you know, I mean, that's, that's our situation, right? If, if I got conked on the head and no longer knew the difference between a Roth IRA and a golden retriever, I'm not very helpful to my clients anymore, right? What, what is the difference between a Roth IRA? I'm just I, I don't know, actually. <laughs> I, you, I'm a little worried for you to even uh, create that analogy right there. Gosh, maybe you did get conked in the head. I, I don't know, but <laughs> if you were smart, you'd go hire Andrea to be a financial advisor in my place. That'd there be an go. upgrade, by the way. There you go. She's way smarter than I am, better looking. She's <laughs> actually likable. <laughs> I feel like I'm selling her right now. So, but the the point is, you you need some Kevin. Kevin's not with us today. He's out with the family, but he's a military guy. He'd say you need some dry powder. You you need yeah. some dry powder if something comes up, and and having an emergency fund gives you that flexibility. So I know those seem like lazy dollars. It seems like a waste, and it takes a long time to build up. But it's for these sorts of instances when you need it. So that's right. The point here is. Not to scare you into making some quick decisions. In fact, I don't want you to make any quick decisions. The decision I want you to make is go sit down with your certified financial planner. Not go sit down with the attorney. Not go rush to your insurance agent's office. You need the person who's going to tie it all together and tell you this is what you need. Yeah. Okay, that was good information that they that those folks on the Wise Money Show all uh, threw at you. But your specific situation, the custom fit, the tailored suit for you is we need to do this, this, and this. That's your certified financial planner. Reach out to them. If you don't have one, contact us. We would love to help. 574-222-2000. All right, we're going to pivot here. It's uh, just about tax filing deadline. We've got a couple great tax questions The first one is coming from Gary in Mishawaka. Here's what he asked. My son worked part-time last year and made about $2,000. Does he need to file a tax return? Yeah, this question, I mean, even if you didn't throw out the dollar amount for us, we would be asking, well, what kind of write-offs, automatic deductions or exemptions is this person going to have to erase income with? Mm. And there's really two of them that most people have available to them. It's a standard deduction for an individual, 6350 bucks, Or under 2017's rules, you also had an exemption right. available. That's 4050 So, Gary, I don't know how old your son is, whether or not he's a dependent of yours, and whether you're claiming him on your tax return. But if you are, then you would be taking his 4000 number, but he still gets the 6350 available. He could have up to that amount of income, 6350 bucks and get it all wiped clean off the tax return, pay no tax. Yeah. So you, you might say, well, he's not going to pay any tax. What's the point of filing then? He doesn't have to file, but he might want to, especially if they've withheld anything out of his paycheck and he needs to go get that money back in a refund. That's right. So it's not just do you have to, but would you want to? And here's the painful part. We see this all the time where people have $200 withheld and it costs 75 bucks to get that tax return done or, or something like that. And yeah. uh, I, at least, you know, this isn't a commercial for KFG. Our cost is a little bit cheaper than that. But um, but yeah, if there's a refund out there, if there's withholdings out there, you need to go get go grab those. But also the state, you don't have as many deductions from the state. So you will likely need to file a state tax return. So we've got another great question from Ryan about some of the tax law changes. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. 
Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. The research is in. It's been tabulated. Last year, 2017, the average American spent more money on coffee than they saved. This is the Wise Money Show. We are trying to write that statistic and correct it. So thanks very much for being with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Finance Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Across from me in the KFT studios is Joshua Gregory, both certified financial planners here at Corhorn Financial Group, Corhorn with a K. If you've missed anything, there's several ways to catch up on the show. That's right, catch up. Uh, you can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. And every episode is right there, right on the website. You can find us on podcast, iTunes, and Google Play. You'll have to search the full Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, Corhorn with a K. And then lastly, my favorite way is on the YouTube channel. Every episode's right there. You can watch us. It's not that much fun, but you can watch us right there. I actually like it. Uh, just search Wise Money Radio on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel right there. Lastly, while I'm doing announcements, if you have any questions, call, text, 574-222-2000. So that's any questions, any needs, any help you need, 574-222-2000. Tax filing deadline is right around the corner. We are in the middle of tax questions. I've got a great one here from Ryan from Granger. says, I'm curious what impact the new tax laws would play on my estate plan, if any. Uh, that's a great question. Very specific and astute because the way I read it, there were two big changes. Uh, in the tax laws that were just passed that impact your estate plan. And we're going to keep it really basic. The first is their annual gift exclusion. And this isn't part of the tax laws. It's just a change that happened uh, from switching from 2017 to 2018. It used to be that you could give anyone on the planet $14,000 a year without even needing to report it to the IRS not gift taxable to them and, and so on. You didn't even need to report it. Well, that went up from 14000 to 15000 And you can do split gifts and joint gifts, all that sort of stuff. But the base number went from 14000 to 15000 But the second one is the biggie, and I assume this is what you're referring to, Ryan, and that is, will I have to pay estate tax when I pass away and pass my um, resources, my finances on to the next generation? And I'm not going to give the number because it's really big, but yes, it was increased, the estate tax exemption, and it's still in, in place where you can share that with your spouse. So if you don't use yours, it goes to your spouse and kind of doubles. But I think we're up in the $11 million range. Yeah, $11,200,000 per person. Yeah. So so not most of the population. Yeah. Um, Maybe maybe it's most of the wise money listeners though yeah. that would apply to. No, I'm kidding. But that's a big increase, and and really just meant to have this big gnarly nasty estate tax, which is almost fifty percent, really apply to very very few people. Yep, so, not something to worry about. But I tell you, it doesn't mean just because you don't have to worry about it doesn't mean you don't need your estate plan. The estate plan is not just about trying to avoid estate tax. If that's not something you need to avoid, your estate plan needs to cover other things guardianship, passing your assets quickly without probate, and so on. So one of the tax issues that does apply to more and more people is if your loved ones inherit some money in an IRA from you, mm. that is most likely money that you've never paid taxes on, so they will pay tax on it as they pull dollars out of that IRA. 
Good news for them is that the tax laws have changed in their favor, most likely. The tax brackets uh, are, are charging a lower percentage, which means um, it may make sense for you to take advantage of those low tax brackets and consider doing a Roth conversion so that you're leaving money behind tax-free instead of taxable. That's that's right. I, I try to make this a point every time I'm talking to someone about the benefits of a Roth IRA. When someone inherits an IRA, yeah, they've got to pay tax on that. And there's some strategies. They can stretch it out to pay a little bit of tax instead of a whole bunch of tax. But when you inherit a Roth IRA, do you have to pay tax on it? No. No. So, great point. Do you have to pay tax if you inherit a golden retriever? <laughs> that good, is the question. That, oh, that just makes me sad, though. Um, <laughs> all right. Next question, also from Granger, comes from Derek. I turned 50 in November of this year. Am I eligible for the catch-up contribution to my 401k this year, or is it next? It's a great. This is confusing. So, um, one of the things I hate about 401k contribution limits is there's this catch-up. It's just, you should make it. So, on your pay stub, you might have seen, well, you've got your normal 401k contribution, plus you've got this catch-up contribution. I, I just... That that nuance. Why shouldn't it just be the same for everybody? It's the same. So yeah. the the point is, for for your four hundred one k, anyone and everyone can contribute eighteen thousand five hundred or up to eighteen thousand five hundred as long as you earned that much money this year. There's an additional contribution limit of another six thousand on top of that if you're age fifty or older. And so Derek's question is, well, when do you need to turn fifty? Is it at the beginning of the year or at the end of the year, and it's any time that year. Mm-hmm. So even if you turn 50 on December 31st, you can still do the full catch-up contribution for that full year. In fact, everywhere that I can think of in the tax code, when they ask you what your age, they're referring to what is your age at the end of that year. Yeah. Um, an exception to that would be if you turn age 70 and a half. Uh, that's a, a midpoint in the year. But the, the point is, if your child turns... 17 during the year at some point, that's the year you're going to lose a child tax credit. Mm -hmm. The year that you turn 50, as long as you're 50 by the end of the year, then you're eligible for these types of uh, increased contributions that Mike's referring to. However, you need to kind of keep a close eye on the payroll folks because some payroll systems are set up to just shut you off once you reach the normal limit. If it's uh, 18,500 for your 401k, they might cap you out there and not recognize that you're about to turn 50 later on in the year. Mm-hmm. And you have to catch that and have them turn it back on. Some systems are sophisticated enough to recognize it, but not all. Let me tell you why this is important. You know, the, the what, like it or not, these new tax laws are here to stay. And yes, uh, it did reduce tax rates but it also reduced the number of deductions. So how awful would it be for you to expect to have 24,500 going into your 401k and all of that being a deduction, but instead only 18,500 went in there. So yeah, for those of you like Derek who are just turning 50 this year, this represents a change. Update your 401k contributions. Of course, this needs to fit in your entire financial plan, but from a tax standpoint, this makes a lot of sense to make sure you're doing the full amount. Now, Roth IRAs, IRAs, those also have a catch-up contribution. Anyone, as long as you have enough income, can contribute 5500 
the catch-up contribution is still a thousand. So if you're 50 or older, turning 50 or older that year, $6,500. So great question, Derek. Josh was uh, reading ahead because Sandy's question. Not reading ahead. <laughs> Sandy's question from Edwardsburg is is really directly tied to something very very similar, and we get this all the time. In fact, if there's one grievance, tax grievance that to me stands above the rest, it's this one. She asked, "I have a child turning 16 later this year. Does that impact my taxes?" Right. So the answer is no, not this year, mm-hmm. but next year. You need to be aware of it. Um, I would consider 2018 to be kind of a year of transition, 2019 as well. And the reason is uh, this calendar year, you're going to get a bigger child tax credit than you've ever gotten before. And it's it's been increased, doubled, up yep. to $2,000 per child now. <clears throat> and so that's a, that's good news. But it just makes next year's pain a little bit greater. Yeah. Next year when... Uh, your child turns uh, 17, that's when it goes away. You might, you might be eligible for this special little $500 qualifying family. I don't even know what they're calling this thing, a special $500 tax credit. But that's a big leap from 2000 to 500. Right. Then if your child goes off to school, to college, and there's tuition, well, then that uh, you'll get up to $2,500 in tax credit. So there's this weird pocket. Again, this is why I feel like this is the biggest grievance of, of, um, of people filing their taxes where they've got young kids at home, where all of a sudden you've got this pocket of time where right. taxes look good and, oh, that hurts. Yep. So be aware of that. You'll want to adjust withholdings. And there again, you'll also want to be aware of what deductions are you getting, what, adjustment, what deductions should you start going after. Great question, Sandy, as well, Derek and Ryan, all of you. I hope this is your best tax season or has been your best tax season ever. If you have any questions, of course, always reach out to us. 574-222-2000 at 574-222-2000. That is all the time we have for today, folks. On behalf of Josh Gregory, myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.